journey and its adventures. Don't you love that title? Pulls me in. And uh, it, there's so the Bible is so rich in material to uh, preach this message because there's story after story, and every story is an adventure that uh, leads us into uh, this journey of serving God. So my focus this morning is going to be on the life of Abraham, and I've titled this one All In, The Faith Journey. And I know All In is not that creative a title. Everybody wants to use that phrase today, but I'm sorry, it's the best I could come up with that I felt really captured the essence of what this story is all about. It is the faith journey, and it's about being committed in the faith journey to the level you get the absolute most benefit out of knowing and serving God. So I hope to challenge you with that today. Great quote by uh, Helen Helen Keller, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Don't you love that? And uh, regardless of your your opinions about some of her uh, uh, political activism in her lifetime, I think you'll agree with me. She earned the right to say that. Uh, amazing woman at uh, age just 19 months, had an illness that took away her sight and her hearing. And obviously, at that early age, she had very limited uh, vocabulary. And uh, so she had some huge, huge challenges in life. And it's a great story of how she overcome, overcame those challenges to go on to become the first woman, the first person that we know of that was both blind and deaf that graduated from college. And she did something with that. She went on to become an international icon of humanitarianism and uh, really did some amazing things. So, you know, when we're looking at that, we go and, you know, life kind of dealt me a bad hand and I've, I was born into this, or I had that problem, I got this limitation, I've got all these obstacles, this happened to me, that happened to me. So I think I'll just shut down because it's really not my fault, I can't do anything. Take a look at this, you know. You've got to choose, is life a daring adventure, or are we going to just sit and let it be nothing? So Abraham inspires me. I think he has a great story. And as we're talking about the journey, doesn't it kind of make you think about your own journey? That's really the intention to get us to that point where we're thinking about how God is working in our lives and this adventure of, uh, of life that we call actually a series of adventures that we call the journey. So we're going to talk about the faith journey. And I want to share a chapter out of uh, the faith journey that Joan and I have been on. Ten years ago next month, we were pastoring in Fairfax, Virginia, and in August, we were sitting uh, at a conference in Denver, Colorado, huge auditorium, 16,000 pastors and church leaders were present there, and uh, there, it was a, an evening service, so we'd done the worship, and the preacher, which happened to be Pastor John Lindell, stepped up uh, to the pulpit, and he said, uh, uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 12, and uh, he said, we're going to talk about Abraham and this life of faith. So he says, I've got a question for you. So all you pastors here, you're always up there preaching about faith, you know, and encouraging people on. So here's my question. What are you doing right now that requires you to exercise faith? You can hear the hush just like here. It's like, boom. He got me because I had to admit nothing. I At that point, I... I had, you know, I was kind of going through the motions of doing everything, but I wasn't living on that edge 
that absolutely required me on a daily basis to trust God for what was going to be happening in my life. I knew that God had, I felt that God had spoken to me about 18 months earlier about going on and getting some advanced education and, and leadership studies. And uh, Joan and I had talked about that, and I would researched some stuff and looked into it, and we just couldn't, it was too complicated. We couldn't figure it out. Life got in the way. And so we just kind of forgot about it. I did. Sitting there, it's like it just kept coming to me. When we, when we were walking back to the hotel, I said to Joan, you are not going to want to hear what I was thinking about. I couldn't say everything, every point that he made, I was thinking about, I think God had spoken to me, and I haven't done anything with that yet. Could that be, could that have stalled me in the faith journey that God has called me to? So she said to me, listen, we're not going to talk about this anymore. You just be quiet and go do it. And that's, that's it. End of discussion. None of, neither of us really realized the sacrifices that would be involved in doing that. Few people will ever know the sacrifices Joan made to support me and what I felt God was directing me to do at that point. But I'll tell you, it's become an adventure and a story that took me out of just kind of sitting in the seat and going through the motions and to a new level of knowing God. That's what this is about. Let's take a look at the story. This is uh, Genesis chapter 12, and uh, I'm going to read the first nine verses from New Living Translation. Then the Lord told Abram, I'm going to call him Abraham through this whole message because um, that's what God changed his name to. So right now, that name change hasn't taken place. But rather than try to bounce back and forth between names, I'm going to stick with Abraham other than when I'm reading the scripture. So the Lord told Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you. And make you famous. I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Before we change that, I want you to notice something here. There is no condition to this. Okay, God is not saying to Abraham, if you do this, I'll do that. There's no, no, no negotiation. It's not even a promise. It's a statement. God is saying, I am going to do this. I've decided. Nothing, and we're going to see as we get into this, nothing is going to stop this from happening. Verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew, by the way. Uh, Abram's brother had passed away, and so Lot had become a part of the family with his uncle Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. I love that. There's still hope. <laughs> He's 75 when he started on this journey. And it gets amazing from here. So don't say you're too old to do this. He took his wife, Sarai, whom we know as Sarah. Her name was changed as well. And his nephew, Lot, his name never gets changed. And all his wealth, his livestock, all his people who had joined his household at Haran and finally arrived at Canaan. Finally, because it was a 500-mile journey back in the day when it was all done on foot or camelback or something like that. Plus, he had people and he had livestock and flocks. That all it took them, if they, if they were on a steady pace every day, it would have taken them at least one month to have made this journey. So it was significant. Going on to verse 6. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place 
near Shechem and set up camp beside the oak at Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. And Abraham built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. Then the next two verses I put in here just to emphasize that it is a journey. After that, Abram traveled southward and set up camp in the hill country between Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar and worshiped the Lord. Then Abram traveled south by stages toward the Negev. In other words, they would journey away. They would camp out. They'd journey some more. They would camp out. Negev was the desert of the Sinai Peninsula. So this is the beginning of the journey that they're on. First point, I'm just going to make three points this morning. Uh, I don't have 12. I'm sorry, but uh, I might talk a little longer on the three. The first one is the faith journey begins with a calling. God is involved in this somehow because it is a faith journey and it's not something we initiate. Then the Lord, going back to Genesis 12, 1, the Lord told Abram, leave your country, relatives, father's house, go to the land that I will show you. There's a calling involved in this. Something started when God decided now is the moment we're going to put this thing in motion. I'm reading a book right now that uh, a few weeks ago, Jason pulled off his bookshelf. And he said, hey, have you read this one? It's a book by Leonard Sweet called Summon to Lead. And it's a great book. It's been around for a decade, and I was surprised that I hadn't seen it before. But I, I, I love the idea. The premise of the book is, he said, leaders are not made or born. And that's the big argument in leadership studies. Are leaders born? Are leaders made? All back and forth. He said leaders aren't made or born. They're summoned to lead. There's a moment. There's a circumstance. There's a need. And the person decides to step up and do what needs to be done and becomes a leader in the process. I think it's a great concept. I think we see it a lot in our own world, but certainly in the life of Abraham, you could say this was a summons. Look at the life of Moses. Burning bush. There was a summons to become the leader that Moses was. And many people would argue today that Moses is still probably one of, if not the greatest leader of all time. Look at David. He's a boy out tending sheep. The prophet comes along, anoints him to be king. He was summoned to leadership. Gideon, he's in the cave hiding out because of all the Midianites would come in there and steal everything. So he's trying to make a meal in hiding and an angel shows up and says to him, Gideon, tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. Hey, I got something for you to do. And Gideon's going, who me? But over and over again, we see this. Jesus is walking along the shore of Galilee and he's calling to Peter and James and to John and to Matthew and saying, come follow me. There's a summons to become the person that God wants us to be. I, I just wonder if you've heard that calling yet. I, I just wonder if, if God has put something in your pathway that has given you an opportunity to step up to a level of faith in your journey that he wants you to move into. It's a calling. It's a summons. Here's a Jason quote from a couple of weeks ago. I thought this was awesome. I, th- I think this is a very profound statement. Knowing God is the main storyline of the journey and is the greatest of adventures. I think that's absolutely true. And there's no doubt it is the central point of Abraham's story. 
It was about him getting to know God through the journey that he went on and all the adventures that were involved in it. Remember, let me, let's do a flashback to first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 from a couple Sundays ago. Jason brought us through that passage. I love that it says, it's about getting to know God, and here it is, better and better. I mean, it's, so, it's loaded with so much. Just keep on getting to know God better. And as you do, it says, as you know God better, then he will allow his divine power to bring, to bring you to the point where you are walking through a good life. That's what he wants for us. It's about getting to know him better. And I know I was sitting there in the front row, and by about 1130, I start to really soak in. Three times I get to hear these messages every week, and it's amazing how you, things begin to penetrate. And I'm going there, you know. I've been I've been doing this a while. I'm 65. I've been in full time ministry for a good 40 years. Uh, I've been doing this for a bit. And the question that the Holy Spirit was asking me is, Are you still getting to know God better? It's it's a it's a penetrating question because we can we can begin to drift and feel fairly comfortable with where we are. But as long as we're in this lifetime, it's about getting to know God better and better and better. And the faith journey is all about that. Every day is an opportunity to experience something that tells me who God is and what he's like and how he is at work in this world and specifically in my life. It's about getting to know God better. It's calling that's before us. We have a decision that we're going to make. In fact, I think there's two things. There's a decision and there's a cost involved in it. Look with me at uh, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6. And I'm going to weave Hebrews 11, I mean, into uh, the story with uh, Genesis chapter 12 because there's some real parallels in this. But it is, a, it is a journey of faith. So you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. This is basic. I mean, this is as foundational as it gets. It's not possible to have a relationship with God without faith, which means there's some unknown factors in this for us. And then he defines what that means. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God, number one. Secondly, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. He's a good God. He wants to be found by us. He, he wants to reveal himself to us, and he has good things in store for us. I mean, in our society, there's a lot of people that really, really choke on that. It's like, how can you, how can you know that there is a God? How can, how can you really get there? There's so many questions. There's this science and there's that. And, and you know, we, we choke on it. Like, how can we get there? And God's saying, this is the starting point. Believe that there's a God. Believe that he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. This is the beginning of the faith journey. And as you walk that out, then you get to know him. That's how you get to discover what he's like and how he works with us in our lives. So there's the decision. Abraham had a decision to make. And that is, is he going to leave? And, then, and is he going to go where he's supposed, where God is calling him to go? And the second thing is the cost. Uh, Larry, go back to uh, verse 1. It's very clear here. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house and go to the land. There's a cost involved. This is an adventure that means that we walk away from something and we walk towards something new and unknown to us. And it's clear. He's saying, leave your country, the land where you, you've grown up, 
you know, all of your culture, your relatives, that the world that you know, your father's house, the implications are here. God is saying, I want you to walk away from your, your inheritance. It's not about receiving something from, from your father. It's not about stepping up into your place in society as a patriarch of some sort at some point. Leave that behind. Walk away from it. I have something different for you. There's a cost involved with this calling to go on the faith journey. But there are rewards as well. Let's move on to the second point. The faith journey takes you where you've never been before. You leave your country, brother's father's house, go to the land I'll show you. Look at verse 2 once again. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will make you a blessing to others. Well, that all happened. We know the story now. We can look back and read it. But think about what Abraham went through on his journey in order for all of this to take place. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. It's utterly amazing when you think about it. God is at work here. There's, there's a sense of, um, uh, you know, you've got you to gotta be okay with uh, some risk and some uncertainty and some discovery because God's going to show you things in ways that you would never have imagined. Uh, every time we go out uh, for a, uh, you know, go visit some new place, I, I like to look around. I'm just wired that way. I'm naturally curious. I like to walk around. I like to drive around. I like to see stuff. Joan calls me Mr. Discovery Channel. I can't help it. It's just fun for me to do that. And the faith journey has an element of that in it where there's always something new that he's calling us to. And don't you love it that God was very clear with Abraham about what he was supposed to leave and very unclear about where he was going to. And that's where we struggle sometimes. Leave your family, leave your household, leave your inheritance, go to this place that I'm going to show you somewhere down the road in the future, but I'm not going to tell you where that is exactly. There's a sense of destiny without the clear destination that we would like to have, but God is at work in our lives as we're doing that. He is at work. We were, uh, Joe and I went for a little drive the other day, and uh, a, a billboard caught my attention. And it was by some branch of the military. And it said, no applications, just a commitment. And this journey is like that. You don't apply for it. There's no contract to be signed. There are no negotiations. It's just a yes or a no. I'm going to chase after the things of God or I'm going to run away from that surrender to his purpose and his will in my life. It comes down to a decision and a cost that we have. And I wonder if somebody's sitting here this morning and God is tugging at your heart and he's saying to you, you've got to walk away from that. You've got to leave something behind. And you're going, I don't know if I can do that. If I do, how's it going to work out? Can you please give me a calendar so I know how this is going to happen? Or a roadmap so I know exactly the path that I'm going to go down? And he's going, well, if you do that, then where's the faith? It's a, it's a walk of faith that he is calling us to, and, and it's a serious thing. There's obedience involved in it. I kind of like to think of it as reckless obedience, even though I know that's a bit of a, an oxymoron. Um, because if you think, if you're really obeying God, how, you know, how can it be reckless? And yet, doesn't it sometimes feel that way? Like, you know, 
I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't have the guarantees I want. I don't even have all the information I'd like to have in order to make an informed decision. So, you know, am I really being responsible if I do this? And yet God is calling us to that point where we just say yes to him without knowing how it's all going to play out. Back to Hebrews 11 once again. Look at this. It was by faith, verse 8, that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave. There's the word obeyed. God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And there's inheritance. So he's saying, walk away, but I'm going to give you an inheritance in its place. I'm going to give you a whole name. You're, you're giving up the deed to your father's property. I'm going to give you a nation. He went, and here's the gotcha. He went without knowing where he was going. That's why Abraham is called a man of faith, an example of faith, a friend of God. He, he achieved that level of trust, went without knowing where he was going. Verse 9, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in a tent. And so did, by the way, Isaac. Who's Isaac? Abraham's son, right? And Jacob. Who's Jacob? Abraham's grandson. I want you to notice in verse 9, there are three generations involved. Living by faith, like a foreigner in a tent, um, so did Isaac and Jacob, to whom God gave the same promise, but never delivered on that promise to any of them for three generations. And yet they're living this out, living in tents. They don't have the deed to the property. They don't have the keys to the houses. It's not theirs yet, except God said, I'm going to give it to you. Look how it happens in verse 10. So Abraham did this because he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Somehow he had a sense it wasn't just about what happened in his lifetime on this planet. That the journey, the ultimate destination is eternity. It's heaven. It's something much more permanent. And so if it doesn't all work out great here and now as we would love for it to, it doesn't really matter because this is about getting to know God and ultimately he has something far, far greater in store for us. But it's going to take us where we've never been before. So a lot of you know the, the Bible well. Just think with me for a moment of what, when, when Abraham started out on this journey, think of all the stuff that was going to happen, we know about, but he didn't. If you look at the last half of uh, chapter 12 in Genesis, you have him going down into Egypt. I mean, this is fairly early on in the process, and the reason he did that is because there was a famine in the land of Canaan. He's responsible for a lot of people and a lot of animals. And if they're going to survive, he's got, as their summoned leader, he's got to get them to where there's food, a food supply and water supply for them. So they, they go to Egypt. I mean, that was the one choice, which was good for them, but bad for him. Because if you know the story, he was afraid they were going to kill him down there because Sarah's wife was gorgeous. And he figured somebody was going to want to do away with him and take her. And as it turned out, it kind of played out pretty close to that. Uh, the temptation was there. So you've got that whole Egypt thing. He never expected that was going to happen. Um, he didn't know that God had said something about him becoming the father of a great nation. Well, it takes kids to do that. He, is, they, he and Sarah were both beyond the years of childbearing. She was unable to conceive. There was no child. And yet God had specifically told them this. So he's got that thing going on. And then there's Lot and Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen getting 
fight over the territory and they decide they need to split up and Lot goes down there in the lush, fertile pastures around Sodom and Gomorrah. And then you got these nine kings down there and five against four fight with each other and Lot gets caught in the middle of that war and all of his people and, and everything he belongs is carried off as booty for the, the winter of that. So then Abraham has to, he has to turn himself into a general and get up an army around his own people and they go after them. And so he, he gets involved in, I mean, he, who would have ever thought of this stuff? And yet every step of the way, it was an opportunity for God to show to Abraham something new about his character, who he is, and how he would work with him. Amazing. Amazing journey. All of it was about getting to know God. I, a long time ago, I came to the conclusion that if I was going to make a mistake in this whole thing, I would rather err on the side of doing something stupid than disobeying God. Here's how it works for me. I don't feel like I hear God speak very often. And almost always when I might use those words, what actually happens is I get an idea. But it's not an idea that's just a thought in my head. You know what I mean? It's more like an idea in my spirit. And I think I've gotten to know God some over the years and the decades that I've walked with him. So it feels to me like a God idea that's there. It's different from some of the other ideas that go through my mind constantly. But I've also a very active imagination. So sometimes it's hard for me to sort through the two. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, was that really God? Nah. I don't know. Maybe it was. Oh, I'm not sure. Hmm. When I get caught in that dilemma where I feel like it might be a God idea, but I'm, I'm not sure, I, I've just decided I'm going to take the chance that it was rather than miss the opportunity to base something that he wants to lead me into. Even if I end up embarrassing myself, I would rather have that than to miss something that God has asked me to do. Here's how you get there. Jesus told us when he left this earth, he was going to give us a gift, the Holy Spirit. And he said, this Holy Spirit has been with you, but he will be in you. Read, read Acts chapter 2 and you'll see how that all played out. That's exactly what happened. And so he's given us that gift. I've just gotten comfortable with the idea that even if I get off track in trying to serve God, he's going to get me on track because he knows the purpose for which he created me. And he knows I really want to do what's right. If I, I can mess up and he's still going to make it work, I'm going to learn something about God in the process and he's going to get me where I need to go. It's a faith journey. It's a faith journey where we take chances and, and, and we engage in the risks and, and we deal with the uncertainties and we just keep walking along because even though we can't see into the far distance, we know that God's got a destination, a purpose that's at work in our lives. It's really an awesome way to live. Let's go to the third point. The journey, the faith journey is about partnering with God to fulfill his plan. This is my favorite part of this whole deal. Uh, Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. I've already made the point. This is just a statement. God has decided he was going to do this. And here's the deal. I mean, this is pretty early in the Bible, right? It's only 12 chapters in to the whole Bible. So, I mean, you can read what happened in the earlier 11 chapters and uh, you, you t you'll see 
Adam and Eve, creation, Adam and Eve. You'll see Cain and Abel in there. And you'll see Noah and uh, in his story. And then it jumps to Abraham. So, I mean, there's, there's stuff that happened in between there. But God had decided that he wanted to take this guy, Abraham, and he just picked him. And he said, Abraham, here's the deal. I'm going to show, I want to reveal myself to humankind. And I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do it. You're going to have a family. And that family is going to become a nation. And that nation is going to, is, is going to ultimately give birth to the Messiah. And, uh, and I'm going to bless the whole earth through you. God had decided to do that to the point that those who cooperated with what God was going to do would get blessed. And those who were obstacles were going to have some trouble on their hands. But everybody's going to be blessed through this revelation of God and himself. Think about it. The whole Bible comes out of this. Everything that's in here is written by Abraham's descendants. In its story after story after story, beginning in Genesis 12, how God did this, work with Abraham, and then there's Isaac, and then there's Jacob, and then there's a bigger family, and then you go down to Egypt, and then there's Moses, and they come out of Egypt, and then there's the promised land, and then there's the prophets, and there's kings, and all of this stuff. It's the story, and God is just saying, I'm going to show people. I mean, we have a hard time getting our heads around this idea of a God who's out there, and somehow he knows everybody's thoughts all at the same time. Nine billion of us or how many we are on this planet now. I guess we're not quite that many yet, but uh, we're headed that direction. I mean, there's, I mean, how does that happen? That he knows my thoughts before I think them. How does he know how many hairs are in everybody's heads in this room right now? Let alone the rest of the nation and the world and all of this stuff. But it's been a gradual process of us coming to terms with a God like that because of what we read in the Bible that's coming out of these stories and these writings of these people. And ultimately, it takes us into the New Testament where Jesus comes along. Look at Matthew chapter 1. It starts out by saying, and the ancestry of Jesus Christ the Messiah is, and the first name you see is Abraham. And he takes us generation by generation and even numbers them out for us and brings us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a direct descendant of Abraham, the ultimate fulfillment. So we've got God's revelation here. We've got God's revelation in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He's showing us who he is. That's how we get to know him. It's through the journey and it's adventures and the stories that he's given to us to know Jesus. So I love that. This is the story of Abraham is more about the story of God deciding to reveal himself to humankind in this way. Great, great gift that he's given to us. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Here's a great example of that. We already talked about it a little bit. In Genesis chapter 12, the last half of the story, they go down to Egypt. Um, he says to Sarah, hey, you're a very beautiful woman. Um, I know how they work down there. They're, somebody's going to want to kill me so they can have you. So you're my sister, okay, between us. You just tell them you're my sister, and everything, maybe we can survive this thing. And so they go to lies, and but somebody from Pharaoh's uh, household spots her. Yes, uh, hey, Pharaoh would love to have her as a wife. So she becomes part of his harem. And they go, that doesn't go well for him. He realizes there's a problem and that he's been deceived. So he gives Sarah back to Abraham, a bunch of other gifts too, and says, get out of here, get out of my sight, off my, my land and never come back. 
we tend to we tend to want to moralize that a little bit, like you know how Abraham told a lie. Man, he's supposed to be this godly guy. How did how? Did, you know, the Bible doesn't moralize about that story at all. It kind of leaves the reader up to figure it out for yourself and goes directly to the point. And the point is this. God is going to do what he said he would do. And he said that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a son. Abraham's not going to get killed so somebody can have his wife. Sarah's not going to end up living in some other country and never bear Isaac, the son of Abraham. I mean, this is going to happen. And no matter what choices and side trails that we may take in the process, God is going to do what he set in motion to do. I, I just love that part of the story. And God has done that. I think he set in motion something in a lot of our lives. Abraham began to get this story. Let's go back to one more time to Hebrews chapter 11. I think by this time, Abraham's starting to understand what's going on here. Verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. I mean, imagine this. This is his son, right? This is the promised one. He's maybe a young teenager at this stage. Abraham, who had already received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Though God had promised him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. I mean, there's no question about it. This is the boy. This is how it happens in verse 19. Helps us understand. Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. He had gotten to the place in his faith journey where it's like, God said he's going to reveal himself through my nation, make a nation out of me, and that's going to come through Isaac. So Isaac has got to be a part of this. And it doesn't matter what happens, God is going to make sure that what he said would happen actually takes place. I think he sets some, motion, some things in motion in our lives that uh, are unconditional and irreversible. And it's up to us to just say, I'm going I'm to be a part of this faith journey. I'm going to say yes to God. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to enter into the promises and the blessings. All through this, there's blessings. And I just want to end with this quick point. The word blessing, here's my, here's my definition of blessing. It's when the results exceed the sum of my efforts. You know what I'm talking about? You try and you try and you try. And then something ha- some happens like, wow, I didn't, I didn't do that. That's God's blessing. The Hebrew mindset, a blessing was three things. It was protection. It was care, which means provision for needs. And it was favor, which is that abundant abundance of good things that God pours into our lives. The blessings come based on our obedience, but there's a plan already in place. We can walk with God on this faith journey, or we can choose to not be part of that. Those who are serving communion, please prepare to serve us. Would the rest of us just close our eyes for a moment? I want to lead you in a prayer, and then we're going to distribute and receive communion together as we close the service this morning. You're here in Maybe God's speaking to you. There might have been some things happening in your life today or this week. And you're realizing that there is a God. An opportunity for you to go on a journey of faith with Him 
you sense that he has a purpose in your life and you're ready to start your own faith journey. It begins with Jesus receiving him as Savior in your life, acknowledging him as the Son of God, putting your faith in him, starting that journey toward knowing God and then the eternity he's, he has in store for us. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Maybe you hear you say, Pastor Steve, I, I want to start that faith journey. I want to receive Jesus Christ in my life, and I want to get started with knowing God. Would you slip up your hand? This, this is a moment between you and me and, and God. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I'd love to pray with you as we close this morning. Anyone here? Can I pray with you today? Get started. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you for the calling to a journey of faith. Thank you for the adventures that you give us and the opportunity to know God in a real and personal way. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.